Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. I want you, if you have your Bible, open it with me briefly to Mark chapter 16. Mark, the 16th chapter. This is right after Jesus rose from the dead. Verse 14. Still later, Jesus appeared to the 11 disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. Then he commanded them, go into all the world. This is the instruction to the church. He commanded them. In the New Living, it softens it up. He told them. He commanded them. It's called the Great Commission. The Great Command. The number one command. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to everyone. He that believes and is baptized will be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Everybody say, he that believes and is baptized. People say, well, do you have to be baptized to be saved? Listen, if you like rolling the dice, knock yourself out. For me, I wanted to read everything that God said about do this to go to heaven and make sure I had the box checked. I remember we went to, we went to Hawaii. Um, we ended up starting a church there in Hana on the east side of Maui. Back, that's actually where Adonis and I met. And uh, one of the trips we took out, I think we had three or four preacher's kids on the trip that were all in their early 20s. And I just mentioned baptism because we were getting the Hawaiians baptized. You know, actually, we were baptizing them in the Pacific Ocean, which has waves, and it was difficult because you don't have footing and then you're you're getting smacked by waves. So I thought when we were doing it, I thought, I bet this is where they invented sprinkling out of laziness because we baptized six, you know, in the water, it's tiring. So I looked it up on Wikipedia. That's how sprinkling was invented lazy preachers that got tired of dunking people. So we were doing that, and because we were preaching um, on baptism, so that the people that were getting saved, there was no church in that town. There was no church near that town. We wanted to tell people they needed to be baptized. Well, all of the preacher's kids came up. Excuse me, we've never been baptized. Do we really have to be baptized? I'm going to tell you how your Christianity can take a strong right turn in the correct direction is when you quit asking what's the minimum to do to make heaven and start going through the Bible and see these things as outlets to receive God's blessing and power. Can you say amen? So that tank that's over there is not a cold soap tub in case I have muscle soreness after preaching for an hour. That's a baptismal tank. And we're, gonna, we're given the opportunity for anybody that wants to be baptized. I've been so thrilled that every time we've done this, we've had people jump in that weren't signed up, that didn't bring a change of clothes. We have clothes for you. I like that. I like that we have a church of people that are hungry, that almost when it's 20 degrees out like today, you take it as a challenge. And church attendance goes up when the weather's bad here because Pittsburgh people are tough people, and I I know Texans are too, before you get mad at me. Down in Texas, somebody probably fired a gun into the roof. We're tough too. No, yes, I know you are. I want to focus on that first part. Everybody say, go into all the world. And preach the gospel. Now say this with me. A local church with a global vision. That sounds nice, so lots of churches say that. 
but they don't have that practically. When I say that we have a global vision, I don't mean that we have six missionaries listed with their pictures on the back wall that we send $10 to every month. Um, if you're going to do a multi-campus church, the normal thing, if you pastor in Pittsburgh, would be to open another one in Beaver County or Butler County or Washington County so that we, you know, we have five campuses around here. I'm not building a $12 million building to save somebody an 18-minute drive. I'm sorry, I'm not doing it. And by I'm sorry, I mean I'm not sorry in any way whatsoever. Uh, because people get short-sighted and their whole world is Pittsburgh or Dallas or they lose sight of the world or America. There's nothing outside of America. So I wanted to tell you today that this church has so pleased the Lord because we were the first people allowed to preach in a casino since Catherine Kuhlman in the 1970s. Uh, everyone blocked us out. And then when I got there, I don't mean me, I preached. But when I got there, everybody that's from this church that helped out in that meeting, stand up so people can see. Of course, a lot of them are rushing right now. If you helped out in the Las Vegas meeting, raise your hand so people can see you all over the place. So you come, and there's Pittsburgh people that paid from their own expense to go preach in the casino. You know, we had more people in that meeting, that, in the church meeting, than on the casino floor. There was about 150 people gambling at the slot machines, and we had about 800 people upstairs. We had over 100 people receive Jesus Christ on the first night. One lady came up with her, with her uh, two daughters, and I said, do you know Pastor Rodney or me? Why'd you come to the meeting? She said, no, I don't know either of you. I said, then why'd you come? She said, I just saw the ad on Facebook. I, leave, I live in Kingman, Arizona, which is two hours away. And I thought, we need God in our family. And they came up and all gave their life to Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So this is in, this is in, uh, what's, what was the name of that? The Plaza Hotel and Casino uh, in Las Vegas. We had another hotel owner that said, the owner of the hotel, why didn't you tell us you were coming? We would have let you use our hotel. So they, they, they got in touch with us. I toured with the president of the hotel. It's a 200-room hotel, and they've given us a deal the next time we want to go to rent out the whole hotel, all 200 rooms. If you do that, there's a law in Las Vegas that you can put your branding on the hotel and make it your hotel for that weekend. And then they have a conference center. There's no alcohol served, and it's voted the cleanest hotel in Las Vegas right next door to the Golden Steer. Is that awesome? Say, say something with me. Say a local church with a national vision. So this is not Cannonsburg. This is Las Vegas. And these are Pittsburgh people making a great impact in a city that people would think God's least likely to move. Check out what Jesus did through this church. Las Vegas hasn't seen a notable revival since Catherine Kuhlman in 1975. This week, we are here to change that. I didn't come here expecting to get attacked by the devil. I came here expecting that God was going to bless me, bless my wife, bless this first row, bless this second row. God didn't send us here to feel sin. He sent us here that the devil would realize God's got a mighty army in Paradise, Nevada that has not bowed to Baal, that has not kissed his face. It's not us that's getting attacked. It's him that's getting ready to get attacked. You have the dominion right now to tell that evil spirit to go back to hell where it belongs. You have the power right now to speak to that tumor and it shrivel up. We're gonna pray for all the incurable people. Devil, you wanna touch 
my family? You want to touch? I'm going to push back on you. You're going to regret it. I'm feeling something in Vegas that I haven't felt anywhere else. I promise you, my love, I feel something is happening here tonight. This is a landmark night. This is a supernatural night. I preach on this around the world. I've never felt what I felt anywhere else on the planet talking about what I'm talking about right now. I want you to say something with me. Say, God's not finished with America. So there was Nashville. Obviously, we're having two services right now uh, at the same time, Fort Worth, Texas, and, and uh, here in Pittsburgh. We're on direct TV for two straight hours live every Sunday for $125 a week. And I know the owner's watching, but you agreed to it, so that's the way it is. We signed the papers. So say it with me. Say, a local church with a national vision. Yeah, to touch the world. It's easy. See, if, if you don't do that, then all you can do is stand up and say, um, let's keep Las Vegas in prayer. How many of you heard what happened in Louisiana? Let's keep it in prayer. What did Jesus say in the Bible? Sit, sit where you live and keep the world in prayer. That's lazy. See, it takes money to do that stuff and effort and negotiation. We got turned down by every hotel on the strip. Every one of us. We don't let, that's why that owner wanted to know, how did you even get in there? He said, there's, there's an acronym. I can't remember what the acronym is. It's like faith, education, veterans, and police, and then it's something else that it doesn't bring any business into the casino. Because if you have a church meeting, people aren't going out and getting, well, most churches, it depends on the denomination, but most churches don't go and get drunk and gamble after the meeting's over. So they don't, they don't want them there. God opened that door. So that was two weeks ago. Then last week, we went to Nashville, Tennessee, and um, did a meeting there. We advertised it 70 hours ahead of time and had just under 600 people show up. And again, huge altar call to get saved. And I arrived at the hotel. I didn't know anybody was coming. Our ushers are there. Our people are there. You know, we had a security force. I posted it on Instagram. The top security force in Las Vegas volunteered to do personal security. And then another security force heard about it in Tennessee and volunteered. And they also have a branch in Los Angeles for when we go back there. So it's like God's doing the whole thing. And I'm going to tell you, I was going to tell you, I'm going to tell you now. The re we're not just running around preaching for the fun of it. This is all, this deals with how you keep a nation from being destroyed. My sister and her husband, my brother-in-law, they pastor in Montreal, Quebec. Canada passed hate speech laws which is if you say anything that makes anybody in the LGBTQIA feel offended, it's illegal. But there's a protection for churches because if it's in the Bible or if it's in your scriptures, then you don't, uh, you don't get punished. That got, there's inter, uh, legislation introduced this week to remove the religious protection, which is already done in countries in Europe. Like if you read Romans chapter one in Norway, you go to jail as a pastor. You can't say anything against sin because it's offensive. So they have a religious protection. They did the first reading of the law and it passed. So somebody wrote, I'm praying that Justin Trudeau gets out of office and gets replaced with a conservative candidate. The conservative candidate voted for it. So, so you're what they call uh, screwed because the country caved. When you quit preaching, darkness can't just move in. Darkness has to go. The Bible says in John 10, 10, the thief cometh not, but for to steal, kill, and destroy. 
Well, how come we're not all stolen from, killed, and destroyed? Because the devil can't do what he wants. There's another scripture. It says, resist the devil, and he will flee. Two key words there, will and flee. Not might flee, will flee. So the church is not called to just teach the Bible and ignore what goes on outside, which for whatever reason puts you in select company if you talk about any of this stuff. Because what do they tell you? The church shouldn't get involved in politics and money. Don't talk about politics, don't talk about money. Yeah, well, how interesting. Who's that talking, Lucifer? Don't talk about the two things that affect the nation, political policy and monetary policy. Does the Bible not talk about money? The Bible talks about money more than any subject because where a man's treasure is, there's heart will be also. And then politics, let me tell you something. If it was 1992, I would be happy to not talk about politics. Democrats and Republicans had very little differences. They were both for protecting the border. They both stayed out of marriage. The government, starting with George Bush, should have never got involved in marriage. The Defense of Marriage Act. Just shut up about it. Marriage is not a government thing that the church performs. Marriage is a God-ordained institution that's recognized by the government. So when you start getting involved with who I am to marry or who I'm not to marry, now you've got me involved. I'm not going to sit back and let this turn into 1930s Germany or 2024 Canada or 2024 Europe, where the German preachers and the Canadian preachers all just sit back and do what they're told. And if you want a vaccine passport mandate to enter church, okay, well, you know, we have to listen. Romans 13, as if Romans 13 is the only chapter in the Bible. No, the Bible says, say it with me again, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, how do you resist as a church? Because you have quiet churches, then you have churches that resist by getting signs and marching down downtown Pittsburgh or Harrisburg. That's the lowest form of social change. Go into all the world and protest. No. Go into all the world and? Now, I'm not looking at anybody in particular, but this church is only two years old. And we have a lot of people that got born again in this church and baptized. And some of you told me, I got saved at this church. One guy told me, I went out to my truck and was waiting for my wife to pick up the kids from Children's Church. And the Lord, he said, I heard a voice say to me, go to your business and clear out all the drugs that you sell. He said, that was 30% of my, my revenue. I drove straight there. Actually, what he said was, I saw a vision while I was sitting in my car of the police coming and raiding my business. And the Lord said, go get rid of that now. So he got rid of it. Called everybody, texted everybody and said, leave me out of it. I'm done. Do whatever you got to do. If there's consequences, let there be. But I'm out of this thing. He said the Lord immediately increased his revenue past 30% to make up for it. And then secondly, what? That's one, that's one guy that just by a change of heart, now drugs aren't being distributed in Allegheny and Washington County. That's one guy. And that's, there's many more in this church that you were used by the devil to promote demonic things, and now the devil lost a soldier, and God gained another soldier. When you preach the gospel, you plunder hell, and you build heaven. When you stop preaching the gospel, darkness moves in. But when the light of God shines, darkness has to flee. Can you say amen? So that's, that's what we do, resist. Our resisting, you can resist the devil personally, and you should, 
But then as you become a Christian, after you've been in the faith after four or five weeks, you should start doing practical things that, that I'm, I'm not gonna watch my nation go to hell. I'm not gonna watch Newsmax and Fox News. Isn't that a shame? Can't believe that's happening. Wow, unbelievable. And then just get up on Sunday. Let's keep our nation in prayer. No. Jesus didn't say pray for all the world. In fact, in the early church, in the early church, did they pray? Yes. Did they pray a lot? Yes. But after they prayed, turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts the fourth chapter. Say with me while you're turning there. The church has a mission. Acts chapter 4. Peter and John are released from prison in verse 23 for specifically disobeying laws against preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. You know, for all the churches you went to before you came here that told you during the lockdowns that you're to obey government laws. If that's true, that you're just to obey any government law, a lot of these books were written from prison. It wasn't because Peter had unpaid traffic fines. As soon, and I'm going to tell you something while I'm starting to get myself wound up. You are to obey and be at peace. I'm not running red lights. I'm a minister. I got work to do. I have to go into all the world. The Bible says to strive for peace with all men, men and, and uh, holiness without which no, no man will see God. I pay my bills. I pay my taxes to make sure Ukraine has plenty of money. I'm not looking for trouble at all. But one of the reasons they, are, they want to remove preaching is because the Bible teaches you to disobey unjust laws. I have a responsibility to my wife as a husband. I have a responsibility to my daughter as a father. The government is not a co-member of my marriage or my family. Can you say amen? So if there starts to be an intrusion about how I raise my child or I'm to raise them against God, you don't obey that. And they want preaching to go away. It's why they're trying to take chaplains out of the military. They want to be able to turn the military against the population. But if anybody has this book in their heart, they're not going to turn against their own populace. Can you say amen? amen. This is light. This Bible, the Bible calls itself light. Thy word is a lamp unto my and a light unto my path. It brings light. It brings light into your person, you personally. It lights you. It takes confusion out. It brings light into your marriage. It brings light into raising your children. People raising teenagers, oh man, I don't even know what to do. Yeah, you don't have light. The Bible gives you, and it's not just like a flashlight, it's a power light for healthy living, healthy marriage, healthy children at every age of their life. Can you say amen? amen. So you can see that this is a war against darkness and light. And for darkness to prevail, light has to be hid under a bushel. The same thing Jesus told us not to do. Who takes light and hides it under a bushel? It's what you fight against if, if you have my job. They want you bushled. I need a church that big. Why do that many people have to meet? Why can't you just have a smaller church and have like nine services? You can't have the kind of services we have in 60 minutes. Can't pray for people and say, so nobody gets prayer at those churches right now. We gotta dismiss, we gotta get you out of the parking lot to get the new group. I'm not doing that. I would quit the ministry in 10 minutes if I had to do that. 
You, you, the Bible says they all gathered in one place. If you missed the Sermon on the Mount, there wasn't a second showing at 2.30 p.m. Can you say amen? amen? Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. So they're praying. I'm not anti-prayer. We have a lot of prayer at this church. When they heard the report, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. But what did they pray? O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. You spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit through our ancestor David, your servant, saying, Why were the nations so angry? Why did they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepared for battle, and the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his Messiah. So rulers gathering against the Messiah is nothing new. That's why you hear me talk about this stuff and you don't hear me, I can't believe this is happening. No, it's been happening for 2,000 years. Some knucklehead thinks they can stop the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and it ends the same way every time. They get flattened and the church grows because Jesus is the head of the church and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In fact, this has happened here in this very city. Now they're going to name the, the specific government leaders in their prayer so they knew who their enemy was. Herod Antipas, Pontius Pilate, the governor, the Gentiles and the people of Israel were all united against Jesus, your holy servant, whom you anointed. But everything they did was determined beforehand according to your will. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. So even when they prayed, they prayed for great boldness in preaching the word. When you go to the University of Pittsburgh tonight, what are you going to do? Just have pizza and talk about things? What are you going to do? What's the main thing you're going to do? Preach the word. I don't think that works in a university setting. We have to find new ways to reach people. They had 150 people in the first meeting and 50, I know it sounds like we're just rounding up because we don't like counting exact numbers. It was 150 people and exactly 50 university students came to the altar to receive Jesus Christ. 20 plus were Chinese nationals. Probably the first time they've ever heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that, that's how you do it. The gospel will never not work. It is God's word to every generation. It changes the heart. It takes out the things that are in a person that are literally killing them, sin, and replaces it with God's heart. Can you say amen? amen? So that's what you do. Can I get the video of whatever outreaches we did? So now in Fort Worth and Pittsburgh yesterday, we have church people. I'm not there. This is an army that we're building. It is, it is a different church. There's less people at this church that don't volunteer than that volunteer. Most churches have 5% of their church or less volunteer. Here it's like uh, 55, 60%. Then, then as if there's not enough to do here, they're in Nashville and in Las Vegas because they're real Christians. And I'm, you know, I can't put words in your mouth, but every human being has a desire in them to do something that matters. And you start realizing, you know, when you're 23 and you get your first job, you're happy. Then you start realizing, whatever job you get, this by itself, this company can get sold, this company can disappear. What am I doing that affects eternity? That's not a, a pastor's job or the pastor and a, a few associate pastors. Jesus told, not the pastors, not the evangelists, he told all disciples, everyone that follows him, 
Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Nobody in this church has ever been stopped by the leadership. Now listen, you need to get permission before you go and tell people about Jesus. We have an outreach team. Some of you came from churches where the leaders try to block people from doing anything for God. So yeah, you don't do things that are mutiny, but you flow in authority. You know, Brother Chuck, Ando, stand up. What, uh, grab, get, get him a mic real quick, if you would, very quickly. <laughs> just, just tell everybody on your own, with no funding from me, or maybe I, I got happy one time and kicked some money in, but not much funding from here, no continual funding. What did you, you gave your life to the Lord two years ago. And then since that time, what have you, what have you started doing? Uh, since that time, everything, everything has just, just grown. Out of the blue, I've been invited into several different prisons. I've connected with people I'm at the VA hospital, the VA hospital psych ward, um, using my barber shop. We've, we've grown this Semper Fi mission where we're just out building another army just to bring people in here. It's been amazing. You've been in prisons? Yes. And, and seeing people come to Christ, and then when they get released, they're starting to, to come to church. It's just absolutely amazing. People are calling me, hey, Chuck, I was released on Tuesday. Can you pick me up Sunday for church? Uh, and it just keeps growing. I see us having to have a van. The Semper Fi Mission is going to have a van starting bringing here. The other thing that's on our heart is we hand out cards for people to come into my barbershop, get a haircut, but it's, it's for the sole purpose of spending 30 minutes with them, telling them about the Lord, telling them what the Lord has done in my life, uh, we see a mobile barber trailer, a Semper Fi Mission barber trailer going down to meet the people where they are. Provide that to them. They have the open mind, open heart. Tell them about Jesus and what he's done in our life and then growing from there. And I'm just, I'm just saying that for an exact, that's one guy from this church, you know, We got to get to water baptism, so I, can only, I, I, I can't get too comfortable talking. You know, I, I would be sad if I saw Chuck in a suit. You, you can almost train people where you ruin them. It's almost like people get the fire of God on them, and then religion snatches them and ruins them. You know, something will happen organically, where like a group of people get on fire for God and start meeting, and then they go to become a church, and then... Some group finds out about it and says, we're going to send you a pastor. And that, it's like, you, the, the, the pastor they send ruins it. They do, no, man, I know you guys are excited, but I'm going to teach you how to be half dead like me. <laughs> True or false? Say this with me. The fire must never go out. You know, I, I'm trying to think what football coach it was. It might have been Lombardi that said, you can teach someone how to control their passion, but you can't teach passion. I don't worry about people. You know, half of what's limited churches in America is they're worried about uh, the fire, revival. It can get out of control. Then, con th then help, then teach about it. Correct what happened in a service. R.W. Shambach had a guy that got saved under his tent and heard the sermon on the anointing with oil. And him preach on anointing with oil, he goes straight to the Newark hospital and just starts going room to room, anointing people with oil and telling them to stand up, take up their mat and go home. So after he got to about the ninth room, the police came and arrested him. You, you can't go do that. People always say, if you guys believe in healing, why don't you go clear out the hospitals? Because you'd get about four rooms in and get arrested.
You can't do that. So then he got out of prison, told the testimony, the tent meeting grew, and then Brother Shambach taught him how to do it in a way where you're not gonna get arrested. But you can, you can teach a guy that's willing to do that how to do it better. But you can't teach someone who's dead to be alive. And many people, they don't really have Christianity. They have religious Christianity, and it, they're so dead. They've not produced anything. We don't make a home for that at this church. You can actually do more with 200 live people. How many were there on the day of Pentecost? 120. But what happened? They got on fire, and it turned to 3,120. And there was persecution which weeded out people that were just there for the free cupcakes or whatever. And you had an on-fire group. I have watched that take place practically in this church in Pittsburgh, where 250 people has now turned to 799 people. <laughs> children's ministry, they're almost at 150 students in the children's ministry. If you went back to that children's ministry, they're not cutting out stars from construction paper and writing, I love you, mom. My wife was up last night preparing a sermon like she was gonna preach the main service. If you went there, they're laying hands on, they're laying hands on people at school. The kids are starting to get in trouble from the vice principals. Tell them to stop inviting people to their church because that's the only hope this country is finished unless the Christians that are here get on fire for God and say the devil is not going to have Las Vegas. The devil's not going to have Nashville. The devil's not going to have Pittsburgh. The devil's not going to have Fort Worth. The devil's not going to have my mind. The devil's not going to have my marriage. The devil's not going to have my son. I resist. I'm looking at those people right now. I'm looking at people that the devil's having meetings, board meetings in hell. What to do with those people? How come they're like they are? How come they haven't sold out? How come they don't have some modern, powerless form of Christianity? But your fire will never go out. I tell every one of you, the fire will never go out. I'm very proud, very proud of our ushers. Our uh, 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 soul winning teams, everybody that's here. Very proud that as a pastor, I can go to Texas for 21 days to start a new church and the church grows by 300 people. 300 people, 650 when I left and it grew 300 to 799. Can you say amen? I'm proud of you. You can't, you can't do this. One man. The book of Acts was not a one-man show. It was men and women getting on fire for God. Praying for the sick. Casting out devils. Stephen was a deacon in Acts 7. That means he's just a, a, a worker in the church. That was for the first 12 apostles. First of all, they were already down to 11 when Jesus gave them the command. Secondly, it was not. Timothy, was Timothy one of the first 12 apostles? No. Was Stephen? No. Was Philip? No. Who, who made that up? I think that church down there is a cult. Why? Cause, why? Because we do what the Bible says? 
You're actually the one with the false religion. These services closely mirror what you read in the book of Acts. People are healed. People are saved. People are baptized. Now, I got a question for you. I'm not saying we're better than other people. We just are better than other people. But I'm not saying it. I would never say something that arrogant. I got a question. If the first command Jesus gave was to go out and preach, and preach what? It does not go out and yell with a bullhorn that people are going to hell. The gospel means good news. It's preach good news. Jesus saves. You're going through a hard time. Jesus delivers. How many of you saw when Roger Stone came on the air with me? What, what did he say happened? He's going to jail. His life's falling apart. And Franklin Graham told him, all the problems you're going through, Jesus is the answer. You can give your burden to him and he'll take care of you. And he said, I did. And everything began to clear up. I felt peace for the first time. God delivered me from prison, just like he did in the Bible. Somebody told him, Jesus saves. I'm not doing a five-week series on relationships. You wanna know something? I'm gonna tell you something right now. The church does it backwards. If your heart's not right, you and your wife are gonna have problems. You can read all the freaking books you want. Your heart's not right. You have an uncontrolled anger problem. But when your heart gets right, you esteem your wife above yourself because you have the attitude Christ have. You have Christ's heart in you. Then when people are putting you on the cross, you say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They got worked up into a frenzy. You know, that, that I need work on that. But, but you, where I bought this suit in Texas, I went over and the salesman looked to be about 65 years old and he was sitting down on his phone. So my first reaction is, can I get some service, please? It's not a cheap suit place. You're just going to sit there and text. But then I thought, instead of thinking with my flesh, I tapped into here. And I said, uh, I bet you there's a reason he's sitting down and on his phone. He's 65, not 16. I said, uh, you've been here all day since open? Yep, it was almost closed. I said, how's it going? And he went to get up. I said, don't get up. I said, I'm happy to see you sit down and rest. I bet you you have a lot going on. He said, my wife was healthy her whole life. And he said, a couple years back, she got hit with a health problem. And I've been dealing with that. And then, well, then eventually they ask you what you do for a living. And then one thing leads to another and you pray. You know, people need help. There's a reason people are angry and stuff. What are you acting like that for? Can't you have a better attitude? You don't teach people to have a better attitude that are going through hell on the inside. Jesus didn't go around and lecture people to smile more. We know we should keep a positive outlook, amen. The blind see. The deaf hear. The crippled walk. People that had demons, he cast the demons out of them. And he told us to carry on that work. When we went to Nashville, I was so happy to, to hear this. A lady stopped me at the National Religious Broadcasters and said, you don't know me, but you came to my church in 2018. My daughter was legally blind. I've never heard of vision this bad. 20, 20, 20, 35 in one eye. 20, 20, 20, uh, 20 sorry, 20, 3,500 in one eye, 24,000 in the other eye. She was so blind that she needed her glasses to get out of bed to use the bathroom. 
And then she prayed. I guess I called her out and prayed for her. And they said she started getting migraines after I prayed for her. You know, that's not good. If you pray for people, they're not supposed to have compounded problems. How are you doing now that I've prayed to you? Good, I'm blind with migraines now, so please stop praying for me. So the mom said, I thought she needs a new prescription. And we took her to the doctor. This was 2018, and, and the doctor said the reason she's having migraines is her one eye is 20-20 and her other eye is 20-30. That means she could fly fighter jets. Perfect vision and almost perfect vision. Play, play the lady. I'm Felicia, and in 2018, uh, we had come to a service with Pastor Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And prior to that, my daughter had been born um, with legally blind and we didn't realize until she was one years old, they put her in glasses. Her vision was uh, 2,450 in one eye and 2,500 in the other eye. And she would have to, at one years old, would need her glasses to just to go get out of bed to go to the bathroom. So at, all the way up to 11 years old, she had struggled with that. And then to in, in 2018, uh, we came to a service with, doc, uh, with Dr. Bob Rogers and Jonathan Shuttlesworth. And that night, he just preached a simple message on faith. And we went to the doctor for a checkup the next day where she had been struggling with headaches. And um, I figured that maybe they needed to increase her prescription or something like that. And instead of that, the doctor said, well, you know, I know the real reason is not, we don't need to increase it, but she doesn't need these glasses anymore. She can see. And so we walked out of there. She could see 20-20 in one eye and 20-30 in the other. You know, I, po I posted that on Instagram. Somebody wrote, oh, what a liar. She, these are not Bible characters. You could fly to Kentucky and meet the lady. I didn't pay her. And then her daughter commented, I, I left her daughter out of it so she doesn't get a bunch of people telling her she's a liar like they say to me, but she commented, Emma Busey, B-U-S-E, thank you for sharing my testimony, so wonderful, getting ready to go to college now. Amen. Amen. So who did that? Is it, who does that? I don't believe God heals anymore. Okay, then you have some splaining to do. Who opened her eyes? I know I didn't do it. I just got regular Washington County Pollock hands. With Oso's grated cheese embedded into the skin. So you think the devil did that? The devil did that to help us get more people to come to church to get baptized to call on Jesus Christ? You sound uh, like you belong in the old psychiatric ward. <laughs> Who did that? So you can't just say stuff's not true because it doesn't line up with what you believe. You have answers to do. You have answers to give. Who opens the eyes of the blind? Who unstops the ears of the deaf? Who makes the lame to walk? Where are those polio crutches that are back there? It's supposed to be the only soccer practice facility that has miracle relics in the back. Where are those polio arm braces? Grab them quickly. That's from what no eye has seen. Kid, kid drove down from Maine, 19 years old or so. Never walked without these in his life and tossed them and has never picked them back up again. He goes to my mother's church. So, so this is like my middle finger to the devil. Now I'm gonna tell you something. Not only do we have a tank over there, 
before the end of this year, there are going to be piles of things behind that stage of inhalers and oxygen tanks and crutches and wheelchairs and all type of, of medical pills and their cases and everything the devil's using to destroy your life. You're too young to be, I don't care if you're 80, you're too young to suffer for that. The Jesus that healed the sick in the Bible, he's not dead, he is alive. He's alive. He's alive. You couldn't have two churches in two cities with a pack of losers. You, you could only do it with people like you that catch the vision. When he ain't preaching on next Sunday. We don't have those kind of people. We have people that show up whether I'm there or not. They actually have a relationship with Jesus, not their pastor. Can you say amen? Yeah, at this church, you can't, I can't be a pastor that takes everybody out to eat after the service. Where would we go? Hello, Pramani's table for 799. <laughs> Actually, can we have a table for 1600 because I want to all sit on the same side like Jesus did at the Last Supper. <laughs> I always wondered that about the Last Supper. Can we have a table for 26? There's only 13 of you. We all want to sit on the same side for photos. <laughs> Going to be a good day, my friends. You know, you start off talking about what the devil's got planned for America. But then the Holy Ghost kicks in and says, yeah, he's got plans, but I have a church full of my power, full of my spirit, and the church is gonna run roughshod over the devil in this last hour of time in Jesus' mighty name. So rejoice and be glad, for the Lord has given you the victory. Come on, let's take 15 seconds. Put your anointed hands together. Give Jesus a mighty shout. The devil is defeated. Come on, I want to hear you, Fort Worth. Oh, clap your hands. All ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. The devil is the same place today that he was in the 1980s. Not over our head, not eye to eye. The devil is under our feet. If you believe it, shout a loud amen. amen. Say this out loud. There's nothing the devil's done to me that God can't do something about it. Today. Say out loud. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Now lift your hands and begin to thank that God out of your mouth. For he abides in the praises of his people. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I'm not on the losing side. I'm on the winning side. Everybody that's watching on DirecTV, Real America's Voice, I want you to contact whatever they're going to put at the bottom of the screen. We're going to pray for you. There's people that need help that are in their homes. You thought you found me by accident. You've been meaning to change the channel for 20 minutes, but an angel hid the remote control under that blanket your grandma knit with the cheap yarn that scratches your legs. And now Jesus has helped a very specific word of knowledge about something that doesn't matter. Somebody shout hallelujah. Well, say it so the devil can hear you. I'm on the winning side. Say, I read in the Bible. You're already defeated. 
I, I read a quote from Kenneth Hagin. He said, if you're not looking down on the devil, you're not high enough. Everybody say, I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, far above all rulers, all principalities. That's right. You can be seated. So the Bible says, when they, when they prayed, and now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy child, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook. What shook? The building. Why do people fall down when they get prayed for? Uh, if the power can shake a building, I don't care if you're an offensive tackle for the Green Bay Packers. You're not as strong as a building that can hold a church full of people. Everybody say real power. The power that drives blindness. What were services like? The book of Acts is a record of what the early church was like that changed the world. They weren't quite 60 minute dismantling Lord as we go our separate ways. Be with us. Give peace to those that are afflicted. Bring us back next week to go through this same nonsense that affects no one again. <laughs> and basically, that's what you have happen. You have people grow up in church as children and they start making plans. I'm out of here. This is boring. I don't feel anything when I'm here. And so they, they start getting out of church at 15, 16. Some of you had to go to church as punishment growing up in your family. Till you get your grades up, you're going to church. <laughs> like it's super max penitentiary. God was a punishment. And that's how people see him. He's a punisher. I don't want to, if you knew how I lived, the last place I should be is church. Oh yeah, is that what the Bible says? Jesus just went around slapping sinners? No, it's the opposite. Woman caught in the act of adultery, they were all going to kill her. This is in the Middle East. And Jesus dispelled the whole crowd of men that were going to kill her and said, hey, where are your accusers at? They're not here. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. People went their way from Jesus rejoicing, not crying unless they, you were a Pharisee. The, the established religious order that rejected the power of God and nothing's changed in 2,000 years. If you watch that service I preached in Nashville, right when in the beginning when I'm preaching, a guy stands up, this man's not of God. You know, that's how you know it's a demon. You ever heard anybody stand up in an R-rated movie at the cinema? This is not of God. The only time anybody ever gets worked up about what's not of God's in church. Live their whole life outside. Of, I don't like that. I don't like how those people fall down. Yeah, you drink yourself blackout drunk, but you, you don't like the power. You think God's less powerful than Jose Cuervo? Do you think God's less powerful than Smirnoff Vodka? The Bible says, be not drunk with wine because that will ruin your life in the New Living Translation. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It makes a comparison. The, the new wine, the ever say new wine. The devil's counterfeit is Smirnoff and Jose Cuervo and whatever else. But when you get drunk in the Holy Ghost, that's what I am. I've been drunk for 20-some years. Do you, what happens when you get drunk? You start thinking you can fight anybody. That's how I feel. But when you're drunk and you feel like you can fight anybody, there's no power backing you up. You get knocked out. But when, you, when you're drunk on the new wine of the Holy Ghost, you take on the Roman Empire. 
Lord, give us your servants great boldness. They already had great boldness, and they were praying for more great boldness. And how did God respond to the prayer? No, guys, take it easy. After this prayer, the building was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Say with me, filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So it's not, now I'm not trying to knock things. I really am not. I'm trying to make a point. And it's not just Pittsburgh. It's all over. How many nights of prayer are you going to have? You notice everybody's okay with prayer. We're going to go to Heinz Field and have a day of prayer. That's fine. But you better follow it up with preaching. Billy Graham did not go city to city praying. He went city to city preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people were saved by their thousands. See, there's a reason I'm preaching all this stuff. It's it's because the devil can't stop the church or the power of God. So he tries to get the church to either redefine what their mission is or cut the things out that actually stab him. There are services that are going to be held all over America. They're being held right now. They will in no way trouble the devil. Somebody can come in demon-possessed and leave them. There's not enough there to trouble him. Because they take out what troubles the devil, the preaching of the gospel. We're going to put on the movie Oppenheimer and teach principles on leadership. It doesn't do anything. When you preach the gospel, it starts. (laughs) I told you, when I was in Angola with... um, my nephew, Pastor Jay, in the youth ministry, which, by the way, they have over 130 students three weeks in a row with no giveaways and no busing, and then they launched Fort Worth and had 56 students opening service for youth ministry. The devil's not going to have the youth. We're going to have so many preachers come out of Pittsburgh and Texas. A new gen- a new wave of the Holy Ghost is coming through. I hope the devil's enjoyed these last 40 years because your time's up. This is the time of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters will prophesy can you say amen now I feel the pendulum swinging amen I'd be careful I'd be careful if I was making plans for Ramadan to do harm in America this this is not Europe this is not Canada you're going to feel a different force if you come here I'm alive. I'm alive. God did not send me to this earth and call me into the ministry to watch my nation go down the toilet. I can tell you that right now. There is power. Elijah could yank his nation back in one day under a worse covenant with worse promises. He wasn't filled with the Spirit. The hand of the Lord was upon him. The church has more power now than anyone in the Old Testament had then. We're redeemed by the blood of Jesus. We're filled with the Holy Ghost. We carry the fire of the Holy Ghost. Somebody tell me how the devil's going to take this place down. You're going to have to wait till I'm gone. When the trumpet sounds, it's all yours. But until then, every effort you make, to destroy Pittsburgh, to destroy Texas, to destroy America. It will end in defeat for you. I'm not going down. I'm not going down. Somebody said without a fight, I'm not going down at all. 
This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Let me see our people doing an outreach in Pittsburgh. I'm, I'm happy. God's happier. This is Christianity. Telling people the gospel. Praying for people. It's not difficult. You have to go to seminary for four years to have somebody screw it up for you. Turn you into dead religion like them. Some of you, if you went to a normal Bible college, if you went to Section 8 housing in Pittsburgh to go tell people about Jesus, they'd find you two days later missing your shoes because you have religion. You stink. Nobody likes that. There was a guy preaching in downtown Fort Worth at the stockyards. I almost went and knocked the bullhorn out of his hand. Everything he was saying was true. But there's no anointing, no love for people. All of you are sinning. Many of you are drinking right now. It's all true. But Jesus didn't go around berating sinners. They already know they're in sin. They need to know the way out. And the way out is, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hallelujah. When we were in Angola, and I was preaching the, the early morning services, seven in the morning. Some witch runs out, all black, black hat. It's like she went to Witches R Us. Even dressed up. Storms on the field, starts yelling in Portuguese. So it didn't bother me. I can barely speak English. And out she goes. Everybody turn your heads around. See Brother Jeff with that, our dog? We bought that dog. This grounds is secured every week. We bought that dog one month ago, being trained right now. If anybody calls in a bomb threat, we don't even have to evacuate because the grounds are, are secured every week. This is the safest church in the United States of America. I can promise you that right now. Can you say amen? Yeah. See, the same attitude I have for the gospel, I have for everything. I'm not going to wait till something happens. Can you pray, pray for this church? No. Use your brain. I'm not on defense. I'm on offense. What's the, what's the command in the Great Commission? Go. See, when you're on offense, I feel like I'm being attacked. You, if you're a robber, you don't get robbed. Robbers aren't going out at night in Philadelphia. It's dangerous out here. Yeah, you're the reason why. So I'm not worried about the danger the devil's looking to cause. I am a danger to the kingdom of hell. The Bible is not, this is not a tissue box to dry your eyes with. It is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. How come that witch came and disturbed the meeting? I never got to talk to her, but the ones I have talked, heard from, they go to do whatever their witch thing is they do and they can't get anything to work. They feel a disturbance. Then they go to check out what the disturbance is because there's power being loosed. Say, that, say what Jesus said. Say, who takes a light and puts it under a bushel? So you have the light. But if you keep your mouth shut, no prayer, then the light is useless. You can have the brightest light in the world. If you put a bucket over it, it doesn't matter. The other suit store I went to with, with my nephew, 
the ladies from Iran. I'm going to preach in Vancouver next week, or sorry, next month. Vancouver, British Columbia. And the whole church is Iraqi and Iranian. They started watching Check the News in 2020 and all found each other and started a church up in Canada and it's doing great. So when I met her, I never, but I thought of that. I said, do you have any family? You know, cause she's Iranian. So I just thought, I said, do you have any family in Vancouver by chance? Cause she likes me a lot. We are talking, she already has a church. So I'm not trying to pluck her away to go to Fort Worth, but I said, she said, man, I'd like to come hear you preach sometime. I said, do you have any family in Vancouver, British Columbia? Yes. She said, I actually immigrated in Vancouver before I came to Texas and my, my sister and my daughter live there. I said, I'm preaching there next month. All the information. And she said, they will be there. I'm sending it to them right now. I said, come on, they're going to go just because you invited them. She went 100%. Now there's a way a Middle Eastern woman says 100% that it's like there's triple exclamation points implied. And, and, and they're coming. Everybody say, let your light shine. I say, so let your light shine before men. Why are you embarrassed to be a Christian? Other people should be embarrassed about what they're doing. You should not be embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was in chains right now, in prison. Still wasn't ashamed. I'd be ashamed. <laughs> My grandfather's in heaven now. Pastor Dean that's in the front row worked for him as his youth pastor. And uh, he had a meeting. They called a meeting of all the pastors in the city. And one of the pastors from another denomination, he said, Mickey, if you weren't Pentecostal, what would you be? He said, ashamed. That's how I feel. I'm not ashamed to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'd be ashamed not to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not ashamed to carry the power of God. I'd be ashamed to be void of the power of God. Don't you let the world define for you what living is. Their lives are all falling apart. I'm telling you today, you have found life. <laughs> and it's life that changes you from the inside out. Hallelujah. I want everybody that's 30 or younger to stand up. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for starting a church at the University of Pittsburgh. Everybody say a, a local church with a national mission. What would you rather go to a church that says, keep the University of Pittsburgh in prayer? It's a shame what's happening there. It's a shame that it's allowed to happen because there's no light there. Christianity's not sitting back and condemning sin. Jesus didn't come to condemn sin. You shall call him Jesus, for he shall save the people from there. If I was a normal pastor, I would ignore you until you turn 40 or 45 and have a business and can kind of help me. I'm telling you, I don't realize as much till I travel out of this church and I see nobody under the age of 55 or 60. I think this place is finished. They don't realize it. In 10 years, they're done. But not here. Look at look at this. This is the generation that they say is absent from church. They're about 40% of our church. I want to tell every last one of you. 30, 25, 20. Don't start waiting to serve God. There are things to jump on in your youth now. God won't wait till you're 50 to use you. He'll use you right now. He loves you right now. He'll put his hand on you and make you a deliverer right now if you yield yourself to him. Give your life, just like people are going to put money in the offering. 
You can give your life as an offering. Lord, here I am. Send me. I'm yours. Use me. Fit for the master's work. Get, get Pastor Maddie a mic. Stay on your feet. I want to look at you. This is a young army. Sold, everybody say, I'm sold out for God. That's right. Say, I'm a soldier in the army of the Lord. Praise God. How much was that dog, Jeff? How much did that dog cost, Pat? 21000 plus training costs. So where's all our money go? To basically to that dog. Yeah. Because it's not trained to catch tennis balls. It's very well trained. And then they're getting it acclimated to the music because the music scares it because it's, I think it's an Episcopal dog. But we're going to get it filled with the Holy Ghost. It'll be dancing to the church music in no time. Make it a Pentecostal dog. Because right now it's, it's too loud. It's too loud. I like it, but the music's too loud. I, do you guys have earphones? I don't. I like the word, but the music bothers me. Pastor Matty, tell all my friends, 30 and younger, what you started doing and what age you were doing it when you met Speaker of the House. Why Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson. Is that his name, Mike Johnson? Mm -hmm. Why he knows your name. When I was 15 years old and I had just gotten filled with the Holy Ghost, um, I was, you know, I went to public high school and I would walk through the halls and I would see just like depressed looks. And, you know, I, I had friends I knew that were cutting themselves and just when I got filled with the Holy Ghost, it put something on the inside of you. I want to do something. I don't want to just look and, and see all this happening to the people that I walk by every single day. And so I asked the Lord to give me an idea um, give me something that I can do, even in public school. And so I felt the Lord give me an idea. And now looking back at it, I kind of looked nuts. <laughs> but I went into my high school and I put these prayer boxes all around my school. Pause, and pause um, real quick. sure, I kind of look nuts. You feel like that, but you shouldn't feel nuts. There's people in your school that identify as a cat. There's public schools. I'm not joking around. There's public schools. They have to put in a litter box in the bathroom for, for students that identify as a cat. True or false? So like back when I was in high school, you could feel nuts. Nobody should feel nuts now. Continue. And so the Lord gave me this idea and it started taking off. And I started, um, you know, I did this with a club and I started meeting with people and praying for people and it grew and it grew. And then one day I got called to the principal's office. And I know looking at me, you can tell I was called to the principal's office, you know, maybe not quite often. And um, I thought, oh my gosh, what have I done? Did I not turn in something? But it was actually the, the news had caught wind of it. And they wanted to interview me. They're asking for my parents' permission to interview me. Why are you so excited? Why do you care so much? Why are you doing the things that you're doing? And um, so the news had caught wind of it. I, I ended up doing an interview with the local news station. And then Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, um, I started getting pushback from it. I started getting death threats in my Twitter DMs. I started um, hearing back from people. Who do you think you are? How old were you? I was 15 years old. Who do you think you are? What do you think you're doing? Um, you can't do this, blah, 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 blah. And Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, um, represented me. And it opened the door for the very first time I ever preached. I told the story. And that's what changed my life. Real, real quick, stay up. So, and I'm going to tell you, we won't know until we get to heaven, but I don't think I'm wrong. I think God saw that 15-year-old girl doing that. 
I like her. God likes us all the same. You obviously don't own a Bible. If you think God likes Pharaoh as much as Moses, you have, you have a special class for you in the back to help you out. No, there's things you can do. You're not saved by works, but there are, there are things you do that gain God's approval. You know, even the Apostle Paul said in the New Testament, if I've lost my mind, it's for your sake. He was being accused of that. Jesus, they said he's the prince of devils. You're crazy. Now think of this. To tell a 15-year-old to shut up about telling people about Jesus. Where does she go to high school? Azure Band? No, Louisiana. The devil does not, listen to me now. The devil does not mind your, your normal Christianity. You don't bother him. You know, got to be wise about how we share it. Amen. How many of you are glad he gets us? Man, he gets us. He washes feet. Jesus just walked around for three years washing people's feet. Unasked, we should wash feet, even though you'll get arrested because it's weird. Go up to people at Cracker Barrel today and break out some soap and water. Start untying their shoes. What are you? Get out of there. I will kick your head. Bro, Jesus washed feet. The devil doesn't care about he gets us Christianity. Jesus didn't preach hate. He washed feet. Yeah, it wants to his disciples. And even that didn't go that great. Peter said, don't just wash my feet, Master, but wash me all over. She said, easy. The offer was feet. All the other disciples looking at Peter. What is wrong with you? Stop talking. <laughs> Read it. It's in the Bible. Don't just wash my feet, Master. Wash all of me. Just, uh, just the feet. You're on your own from ankles up. <laughs> What happens when the Lord finds somebody who doesn't have blend-in, camouflage? Where do we call people to get saved at the end of every service? Where do we have you come? Why? Because I grew up in camouflage. I mean, no, God sees that hand. I see that hand. No one looking around. And 35 years of those types of altar calls produced a generation. Do you know how many Christians are in America? 100 million. They seem like they're 25. They're so quiet, most of you think you're the only one in Pittsburgh. I'm like the only one. Because they're all dead quiet. It's the same when Elijah was here. Elijah said, I'm the only one. God said, no, I still have 7,000 that have not bowed to Baal, but they were all hiding in a cave. They didn't turn it around. One Elijah that said, I'm not hiding. Let's find out today if God be God. He changed the nation in one day. I'm not saying this to hype up a crowd. I am looking at the generation that will change, that will change your generation for good, for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not like everybody else. You're not going to live like everybody else. You're going to live for Jesus. Like Pastor Maddie. And that's, that's why it's good to have her as your youth pastor. She's not a, a punk or a coward. She's not going to teach you some blend in. You, know, you got to be careful. You don't want to upset people. People get upset anyway. Do what's right. And she'll impart that to you. I knew her before they got married. She popped up in my Instagram feed preaching at 18 or 19. I thought, boy, this girl can preach. I never, I, I don't hear women preach like that that are like 35 or 40, let alone 18 or 19. She's anointed. So I followed her, and since so many people discourage you, if somebody's worth encouraging, I encourage you. I wrote, you're, you're a great preacher. Keep it up. So she started following me or had already been following me. We go to Fort Worth. 
Crazy how the Lord works. I went to Fort Worth to preach for Bob Nichols. She was in the meeting. I called her out and prayed for her. Never knew I was going to pastor a church or anything. Then me and Jay would always go out after service to eat. I said, hey, I found this hot dog truck. It's ranked in the Yelp top 100 in the country. He said, I already have plans. I said, what? I'm Batman. You're Robin. What do you mean you already have plans? He said, uh, you know that girl Maddie? I went, oh. Go ahead. And the Lord, the Lord worked that all out. You know, and it's funny. Say this with me. Say, like spirits attract. So on fire people find on fire people. Some of you are wondering why you found this church. It's because you have a fire in you. And that fire was looking to be suppressed other places, but you actually found a church of people that are crazier than you are that aren't going to put your fire out. We're going to dump Holy Ghost kerosene on that thing. And I am telling you, whatever the devil has planned for 2024, 2024 is going to be the worst year that the devil's ever had and the greatest year that the church of the Lord Jesus has ever had. Young adults is tonight. Now, you don't go to the University of Pittsburgh. You should go and help. We should flood that place with, with, with on-fire believers. University of Pittsburgh, what time? 7 p.m. Where? William Pitt Building, room 548. Go, 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 go reach. Go to, see, you can be seated. I won't keep you standing up. I feel bad for Christians sometimes that go to church because they're always shamed for what they're not doing. How many know we don't pray enough? How many know we don't share our faith? But where's the outlet for it? Now, you have an outlet here. You don't have to, but if you're not doing it, that's your choice. We have an outlet for you. Hey, when does the purchase of that gym go through? Okay, we bought a building. It's done. And now we have to fill it with gym equipment. So all of you that work out, there's another outlet. I don't really share my faith. Yeah, but you go to the gym and people at the gym talk incessantly. It's all that pre-workout, making your face tingle. I'm not sure that pre-workout's good for you. I've never seen anything that's neon green. No, it's healthy. I don't know. Looks like uranium. So you know why we have that gym? How many, how many people do we have signed up to run the half marathon in Pittsburgh? 51. 51 people. Americans don't even like any type of physical movement. We have 51 people signed up to run a half marathon. My wife's running. I will be cheering her on. I've been saying to the runners what people say when you invite them to church. I'll be there in spirit. Why? Because that's a thing. Gym's big. There's people that's, the, that's their whole life. Now there'll be a gym, state of the art, for our people to work out in. Invite your friends. It'll be the best gym. I'm starting to sound like Donald Trump. It'll be the best gym. People are saying it's the greatest gym. <laughs> Won't be any losers there. So yeah, you don't have to share your faith from a pulpit. You'll be able to share it there and work out, and that'll grow. See, they're all intake valves. The runnings, there's people that want to come to church that started running with the group. Now they're running right into church because they're friends. We're, we're providing that for you. There should be. Now, I thank God. We have a ridiculously high amount of people that volunteer, so many that there's a rotation. There's too many. But there shouldn't be anybody in this group after today that doesn't find something. That's the joy of Christianity is doing it. 
Otherwise, you're just sitting back waiting to be attacked. The devil, you know, I think there's a witch at my work. Okay, there should be witches meeting at your work saying, I think that lady's a Christian and she's messing me up. The greater one lives in you. Hallelujah. Let me pray for my two friends here in the zip up and the, the dark gray sport coat. Stand up out in the aisle. Hand of the Lord's upon you. Stand shoulder to shoulder. Lift both hands. Hand of the Lord's upon you, my friends. You're going to another level. You will be used mightily in this last day revival. I feel in my spirit what that Brazilian evangelist must have felt when he called me out. You will be great. You will impact your generation for God. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name! You know the secret to not battling depression? Freeing other people from depression. I've never battled it once. I just knock it out of other people. And he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You bring joy to people, there's an overflow of joy to you drunk with the new wine. I've never, brothers, I'm not saying this to brag. I'm not saying it to make people feel bad who do drink. I'm telling you, I have never had a drop of alcohol in my life. And I never, I don't need it. I'm already drunk. Tell your family, oh, you watch the service. Why does he act like that? He's drunk. Showed up drunk. On the new wine of the Holy Ghost. That's why when they tell you how much something's going to cost in this ministry, and I don't care. I'm buy, when you're buying drinks for everybody, when you're flat broke, that's from being drunk. But this kind of drunk, you not only make the moves, you have heaven's resources to back it up. Hallelujah. The world's alcohol closes doors for you. The new wine opens them up. I'm going down. I, I, I want you to see this. This is bothering me. Everybody say a local church with a national vision. So tomorrow I leave. What time do I leave tomorrow, Pat? Early. Um, this bothered me, and then I prayed about it, and then I never made any phone calls or anything, but God opened something up. So I just want you to know what you're a part of here. This is a guy that came through the southern border of the United States. Many of you already saw it, but other people haven't. And I want, I want to put it on DirecTV. Roll it. By the way, if you are smart enough, you will know who I am. But you are really not smart enough to know who I am. But soon you're going to know who I am. That guy is coming through the, the, that's the Arizona, one of the Arizona crossings. And they stopped that guy and asked him who he is. And you can tell from the accident, he, he's not a Mexican. So he, they said, who are you? He said, oh, you all know who I am. You're not smart enough to know who I am. You should, but soon you'll know who I am. Well, then they find out what, uh, put the other tweet up that says who he is. Now notice, no journalist came up with this. That was filmed by a citizen. And then they found out who he was by regular citizen. The, the journalists are the enemy of the, of the republic. They do no, they don't report on anything. I feel like I'm giving this speech at KDKA, but I stand by what I say. So now Democrats, and it's not Democrats, it's both of them. One Islamic terrorist in our country, this is Mavzum Samadov, he's the leader, he's the leader of the Islamic terrorist group, Azerbaijani Islamic Party. He served 12 years after being convicted of trying to overthrow the government, and he just arrived to start 
Chaos. Now, I didn't write that tweet. I'm just reading. So whether you agree with what the guy said or not, that is a known terrorist leader. He's not the only one that's come through. They've caught over 150. That's who they've caught. And they say 97% get through. I talked to Wolf or, or, or Wolf's friend, Chad Wolf, former of the Department of Homeland Security. They say there's tens of thousands of Islamic terrorists that have come into the border and are in the country. So show, now here's what you have to ask. If you think, well, these are people in search of a better life. How do you get from China to Mexico? There's no walking path. There's no hiking trail of moderate difficulty. How do you get from Azerbaijan to, to Mexico? Show, show on the map, since people don't know where any places are. You do, I'm talking about DirecTV people. Okay, there, wow, what a nice graphic. That was made on the back of a Pramani's uh, placeholder. So look, Yemeni terrorists, Somalia terrorists, those are, that's the hotbed of terrorist camps and they've come to the United States. You can't walk there. You can't fly there. Your passport would get rejected. So you pass, keep it up. That's the Gulf of Aden and I believe that's the Red Sea. So you have to get on a shipping cargo ship, undocumented, and to get through that sea, you have to pay terrorist groups that control those entry. That's the oil, the oil tankers that get seized and all that. So who's paying? They're not arriving in tattered clothes. They look like they keep a footlocker on the Mexican border. Everybody's in a brand new Adidas tracksuit. So how? Who pays the terrorist groups to bring them over? Put the tweet up I have because I, I, I wrote what was in my spirit to write. I put this on my Twitter. Please read and repost. How do you get from a Middle Eastern terror cell to the Mexican border? You can't fly, your passport would be rejected. You must travel, you also can't fly to Mexico. You must travel unofficially by ship, oil, cargo, etc., to Central America, which requires payment to several terror organizations to ensure passage through the Gulf of Aden, Red Sea, etc. Once in Central America, you're still a long way from Texas. Transport requires payment to Mexican-based cartels, who oversee travel arrangements and border crossing. Now the United States part. You're forced to believe either one of two things. Either the United States military and government is unable to secure our southern border, which would mean that foreign terror cells have already overrun our country, possess United States ports of entry, and control the United States. Or the United States military and government is unwilling to secure the southern border, because they, CIA, FBI, and high-ranking government officials, decided to enjoy a share of the revenue involved in this operation rather than fulfill their sworn duty as elected officials to uphold the Constitution and protect the people of the United States. Am I missing something? Is there a third option? Or have our elected officials and federal agencies shaken hands with Middle East terror cells and cartels to facilitate a planned invasion of the United States of America by her jihadist enemies? Then I threw this in at the end. I think that's a little extreme. Why else was Texas sued by the federal government for attempting to secure the border? I want to know. You've had more people in America, young people, die from fentanyl than died in the Vietnam War. Don't tell me they couldn't shut it down tomorrow. With all of our text messages and phone calls recorded, every last one of you, and you're telling me they don't know where people are coming from? Then somebody goes to stop it, and the federal government sues Texas and orders them to stop. Somebody's getting paid. I also want to throw this on while I'm still on TV and not in prison. I want to throw this in. 
Anytime you hear any commentator talk about how inept our government is or how inept Biden is, you are listening to somebody that's part of the problem because there's no way you can screw up this badly on, perfect, on purpose. Unless it's on purpose. If your girlfriend crashes your car once, it's an accident. If she crashes it five times a day, she no like you. You can't mess up this bad on accident. There are people, and I, I know this is going to ruffle a few feathers on TV, but I don't care because I, I'm done. I'm not here to just pray for people, for families that lose kids to fentanyl. This needs to stop now, and I'm going to stop it. How? I don't know. I'll let you know after I do it how I did it. I, I'm not sent. Everybody say a local, a local church with a national vision. I am not going to watch America go to hell. So I can't go there and build a wall myself. They measured my biceps when I got fitted for a suit in Dallas, 13.2 inches. So I'm not stopping anybody. I can't stop a JV softball team. But it's not by might. It's not by power. But it's by the spirit of Almighty God. And so, and I have a church in Texas. I have, well, you should stay out of that. You, you do enough staying out of it for the both of us. Somebody has to do something, and the church should be practically involved in the rescue of the nation that it's in. I leave in the morning to go with the Department of Homeland Security and Border Patrol to the Juarez-El Paso crossing for two days to minister to Border Patrol that's having a spike in suicide because they're freaking sold out by their superiors. Can't even wear their uniforms in public in Texas because how the media's portrayed them. So I'm telling you this because that's what this church is. Keep the border in prayer. First of all, 80% of the churches probably couldn't even find the border on a map. Then of the ones that can, keep it in prayer. Why? Because prayer is free. Nothing practical. So I'm meeting with Department of Homeland Security and Border Patrol, and we're doing ministry to them, and then we're going to survey the border ourselves and then come back with a report and we're gonna stay involved as a church in seeing America not destroyed by domestic enemies or foreign enemies. And that's not a Republican or Democrat thing. There's Republicans that, play the, uh, play the Carrie Lake video real quick, then, then I'll, I'll stop. Is there a number at which I can be bought. <laughs> That's a Republican woman running for Senate that wants to close the border, and it's looking like she's going to win. So this is the head, not of the Democrats, this is the head of the Republican Party. Calling her to ask her to please drop out of the race, is there a number we can pay you to drop out? Then listen to what he says. As you've heard, the cartel's operating in all 50 states, and we've sent, had word from back east that we're asking you to drop out. Do you know how much money the cartels make? Hundreds of billions. Now, if you're in the cartel, your number one threat is America turning on you, so are you just going to hope they don't, or are you going to get money in to buy people off? Now, I pray, and my prayers get answered. Every last one of you rats in the Republican Party and the Democrat Party that have sold this nation out, I pray quickly every one of you are exposed and judged, and God keeps his hand on this nation beginning today. Every last one of you. 
that has sold this country out for Saudi dollars or gold or Bitcoin offshore accounts, wherever it is. May the hand of God expose and judge you this week. This week! May every wheel fall off of Pharaoh's chariot. You're not going to have this country. You're not going to have the University of Pittsburgh. That place is going to be a place of revival. We're going to have revival along the border. You can be seated. By the way, the last time I was there, the, the um, House of Representatives woman from that district in Texas came to the meeting. Her whole staff came to the altar to get saved and then got in line to get hands laid on them to get filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to pass out socks and water. Some other moron can do that that doesn't understand what's going on. These are not fam... Please, please, just don't watch the news. Please. If you catch yourself holding a Washington Post, you are a moron. You're an idiot. Why don't you go get... Why don't you go live in North Korea and read the North Korean news? Our country's doing great. It's all smokescreen. What did, what did uh, the last president, by the way, now this will start to put into light. I'm not endorsing a candidate. I got plenty of criticisms for Donald Trump. But there's a reason why everybody came out of the woodwork to attack him when he wanted to shut that thing down. Because it is a money-making operation. I'm going to tell you the good that's going to come out of it, among other things. When they told Texas they're not allowed to secure the border, did they listen or did they disobey? Do you know why? Because states have a right to police themselves. And for too long, we've drifted in the federal area or waiting what Washington's going to pass. They've had too much overreach. And they're starting to come the pendulum swinging the other way where states realize that they are independent states able to, able to run their own states. And so we're going to start to decouple from Washington, D.C. and the federal government and the America as it was intended to be from the states and the counties and the sheriffs are going to rise up. I'm telling you, the devil's overplayed his hand. The pendulum's going to go the other way in 2024. I want to say this as your pastor, and I want to say it on direct TV to the whole nation. If something happens during Ramadan, don't say, isn't that a shame? It was planned. You don't let people like that in. And notice who exposed it. A citizen filming on his phone and then read it, found out who he was. You're telling me the FBI can't do that? Were they too busy arresting nuns? and arresting pro-life protesters. The FBI's got time to arrest people picketing because they got too close to an abortion clinic and doesn't have time to do something. I'm telling you, you're going to find out there's a God that's in charge of this country. I'm not threatening you. I'm not going to lift a finger. But my God is going to keep his hand on this nation and kick the legs out from under every corrupt bureaucrat and agency in Jesus' name. Enough's enough. And if you don't like this kind of talk, go to another church. Go to a church where they just pretend everything's okay. I'm telling you, if I was pastoring in 1936 Germany, I'd have a few things to say about the Nazi party. Let me just stay out of it. Hitler's looking like he'll win the election. It probably would be best not to say anything. They could strip your nonprofit status. I will mail it back to you, rolled up with a jar of Vaseline that says, please feel free to use as a suppository. You could be audited. We already audit ourselves. I'm not doing anything shady. That's why I can say what I want. I don't have a mistress. 
You want to come after me? Hope you like watching. We've been surveilling you. Hope you like watching me lose at Call of Duty. You're just going to have hours of footage of that. Now, we're going to get the thing turned around. God's going to help us. If my people that are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear from heaven and I will revive their land. God is reviving our land right now. That's why all this stuff's starting to come to the forefront even right now. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed. Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3, I would that you be hot or cold, but if you're lukewarm, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Some of you, as I was preaching, you realize, obviously you go to church, you're here, but you're not on fire for God. You've allowed the malaise of this final hour of time to deaden your spirit. And your life is not drifting towards heaven. It's been drifting towards hell. You're not created to be a drug addict or a victim of depression and thoughts of suicide. All these things that plague people, Jesus already took care of it. He shed his blood to destroy its power. If you're here right now, you say, Jonathan, I'm not right with God. I'm in sin, but I want to be right with God. And I want to take care of it today. Or, secondly, I once, I've, I once was right with God. I don't know what happened. I allowed the coldness and deadness of this world to turn my raging fire into a lukewarm little nothing. And I'm going to follow the command of Christ today and make a decision. My fire will not go out. I'm going to follow what the Bible says. I'm going to live in this world, but I'm not going to be of the world. And then I'm going to let that light shine. So let your light shine before men. They'll see your good works and glorify the Lord. Hallelujah. Young people, mothers and fathers, you want to see America turned around? There's something that happens in the spirit when people turn to Christ. The devil loses his hold because he's not taking real estate. He takes people. The more people that kick him out of their life and say, I'm coming to Jesus Christ, that's how Satan practically loses hold of an area. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, that's me. I need to do that today. I need to give my burdens to the Lord like Roger Stone talked about. I'm under a heavy weight. I'm dealing with things I don't have the answer to. But you have a choice. You can become a slave of the pharmaceutical system and never get any answers. Or you can realize that Jesus came just for you to give your burden to him and he'll take the thing that's destroying your life and he'll give you his life instead. If you're here and you need to do that, I want you to quickly put your hand up and wave it at me right now. I'm going to make a bold stand today, Jonathan. Keep it up. I'm making my stand today. I'm not going back to repeat another week of failure and tears and sorrow and pills and alcohol. I cast off sin. I make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Awesome. If you brought someone, you can walk together. But I want everyone that lifted a hand and meant business with God to come to this this white line with me right now, we're going to pray. Come right now. Come. Come boldly. If there's anything you should be bold about, it's this. Come. Today's your day. Direct TV. You can stand on your feet and we'll pray. Come. Everyone that lifted a hand, come right to this white line. This is your day. 
Jesus died for you. There's a better way. You don't have to die in your sin. You don't have to die. You can live a long life. You can make impact. You can be used of God. You can give your life as a sacrifice for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Prondoro, keep coming. If the Lord's wrestling with your heart, come. What a great day. What a great day. 20 more seconds. Anybody else? Anywhere? Hallelujah. Kofi, I'm going to, Pastor Kofi, I'm going to turn it to you in Texas because I get lost at this point. I love you, Fort Worth. I wish I could be in two places at once. But I'll see you soon. Everyone that came forward, lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to pray. This is not a religious little thing you recite. This isn't like joining the Masons where you say something and you're in. This is a prayer to a living God where his power comes and destroys every yoke of bondage and lifts every heavy burden, gives you a new heart and a new life. It's not the same old you trying to live for God. It's a new life. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old life is dead. Behold, all things become new. Lift your hands to the Lord. Say this nice and loud. Heavenly Father, I've come forward today to give you my life. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in your blood. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth. Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness by the blood of Jesus. I am saved. I am forgiven. I am clean. In Jesus' name. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.